Well, guys, welcome to Timeless Truths, our journey this year through the wonderful book of 1 John. Our speaker this evening is Tom Willis. Tom is a father, a grandfather, and a currently a single man, a mighty man of God, a, a man that loves the scriptures, loves the Lord. He has done numerous things uh, for a living, and currently he sells cigars and insurance packages for missionaries. And uh, so, Tom, I'm going to turn it to you, and feel free to tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dive into 1 John chapter 2. Okay. Um, so, first thing I'd like to do is pray, Pastor. And uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you on this one of your days, your feast days for your people, the Israelites, Lord, Rosh Hashanah. We just thank you and celebrate you for a new year for all of us in the world. And we lift up Israel to you, Lord. We lift up the United States to you, our leaders, those that are saved and those that are not saved. We just lift them up that you will inspire them, lead them, and intervene with them, Lord, that that your will be done. Let uh, the Holy Spirit reign tonight on all of us. Let your Shekinah glory come down and your anointment flow on on each and every person present, all the way from Cambridge, England, all across the United States, and then back around the world, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask this, amen. amen. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is the, the lesson I prepared is not the lesson that's going to be taught tonight. <laughs> it changed. And I'm going to start that with uh, a story of when I was uh, a kid, in the second grade, out in a little town called Wilcox, Arizona. And we lived in a trailer park out there, and uh, Mr. Long's trailer park, and I had been told not to leave the yard. So Mr. Long was driving along. We were at the back of the park. Park just picked up, and I was just so excited to see him being all of the ripe age of six. And I went running across the street to uh, say hi to him and give him a hug. And the next thing I remember, I woke up laying in bed. And I didn't know how I got there. And I opened my eyes, and I couldn't see anything. And I started screaming, and my mom ran in the room and took the ice pack off my face, and I could see. But I noticed that there was this big egg thing right between my eyes. And uh, my head hurt. And I remember my dad telling me, he says, later, my my rear end was going to hurt, too, because I had not stayed in the yard. And uh, that was that was my first uh, attention of how to get your attention by being hit right between the eyes. I had run into a two-inch pipe hanging out of the back of his truck and just laid myself out flat cold. Wow. Never saw it coming. Just out. Unfortunately, I fully recovered with uh, no not much damage. And uh, so, anyway, in pre- preparing for this week's message on what Pastor has named appropriately, even though at first I thought it was not walking in darkness, because I thought it was like walking in light. Boy, was I mistaken there. Um, I I started doing some research before we get to the scriptures. And I went out and looked up, and it says, you know, the light should be in us. Well, how much light should be in us? How much is the light of Christ? That should be in us. 
So I went out and did some research, and I wanted to figure out, you know, we have these big spotlights that have millions of candle power of light. We talked about the one that's in the Luxor Hotel when Steve was here. And so one of the things I did some research on, and I'm going to lift it up, is it takes a two-ounce candle to generate one candle power of light. Now, I'm holding up a little Vogue candle, and this is a less than a one-ounce candle, which is about an inch tall, about an inch in diameter, and uh, if you light it, it'll give off light. One candle power of a two-inch candle will actually give off 80 watts. Now, we think that's a lot because when we think of watts, we think of the light bulbs in the ceiling. But of that 80 watts, 75 of it is in heat. Only five of it's invisible is invisible spectrum of light. It's not much, and it's sending it out just like the sun in all directions, up, down, sideways, front, back. And it on a clear night with no rain, no dust in the air, just a clear night, you could light that candle and set it out at a distance of 10 miles, and you could see that light. Now that's scientifically proven. You couldn't tell if anybody was there, but you could pin, you could see a pinpoint of light. Your, our eyes can do that. Unaided, doesn't need a binoculars or anything like that on a dark night. So um, I wanted to share that with you because when I was growing up, we uh, one of the things that the family did was we went to Carlsbad Caverns and this was back in the time when you took the walking tour and the elevator came to the top, but they had a place called Rock of Ages, and you could sit down and they would turn out all the lights. And you could sit there and hopefully nobody would panic because, you know, you are you can't see. In fact, you can't. It is so dark, you're, you can touch your nose and you still can't see your hand. It is dark. Darkest place I've ever been. And so in, in uh, so these are thoughts that came to me when I was uh, preparing this week's lesson, and it, uh, and in doing that, it just reminded me that John talks about the world is dark, and what does that mean? And I want to share a couple of things as we get into that, still before we get to the scripture. Going back in the Bible, in the beginning, Adam walked with God. Every day in the cool of the day. I think, personal opinion, he saw God. It wasn't like Moses hidden in the cleft of the rock. He was there. It was perfect. There was no sin. There was nothing between him and God as they traversed the garden and talked about whatever they talked about. And then um, Adam died a little bit after Noah's father was born lived for 900 and some odd years. And he and Seth taught. They were for lack of they were the teachers. But the but Adam taught from the point of view of I know God. Not I had a revelation of him, not I had an experience of him, but I know God. And I sinned and God kicked me out. And now I can't walk with him anymore. I can't see him. I don't visit with him in the afternoons like we did in the garden because 
God and sin have to be separate. Noah lived until right at the time that Abram was born. 900 and some odd years also, after the flood. And God was with Noah and that, and we know that God was with Abram, because God called Abram out of earth. You know, and after Abram was the patriarchs of the faith, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then after that was Egypt and the Exodus, then the judges and the kings, Babylon captivity, the four kingdoms, and we get to Christ. And Christ taught in parables. We know that because we have the Gospels. And today, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the new church. We have the new covenant. We... um, it tells that it, it, this will be in, in there. It tells us in the Old Testament that in Isaiah eight twenty that it's to the law and to the testimony that they speak according to this word, because there is no light in them. In the Old Testament, there was no Holy Spirit in them. David prayed to say, "Please don't take your spirit from me." It was never in him. It was around him. It encompassed him, but it never lived in them in the Old Testament. It took Christ's death and resurrection and the Holy Spirit to come on Pentecost to do that. In Revelations 12:11, it says, They that overcome him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, that they love not their lives unto death. So we're called, not just by the blood of the Lamb, but to give our testimony. To share Christ in us. And that's what I I'm, I'm intend to do tonight. That was not my, game, my, my uh, lesson plan, but things got changed. On uh, Monday, I was praying and was studying, and I had the plan laid out, and I... It had been set for about a week, and I was happy with it and all this. And then some things happened. And I, you ever, anybody ever been hit with a pie in the face? You just turn around and just, bam, there it is. That's what I felt like on Monday. It's like, okay, okay, wipe it off, wipe it off. Obviously, I'm not, I, I wasn't paying close enough attention to something. Well, yesterday comes around, and I feel like I ran into that two-inch pipe again. It just got laid out. It's like, okay, Holy Spirit, really, what is it? And um, and I'm going to tell you in a minute. But uh, it took a, a revelation of being hit between the eyes with a two-inch piece of steel pipe to get me to slow down long enough and get me out of my own focus to realize what the Holy Spirit was pointing out to me. What was in what's in our lesson plan tonight, and so by my testimony tonight, I hope to share what uh, what's in the lesson because Pastor and Scott and James have really brought a lot of rich, full meat teachings, and I just hope that I bring some some beef to the game plan too. Um,
usually it's in the footnotes, but I'm going to put this in the front notes. In the scriptures tonight, the words brother and sister is adelphos, which is believer. It's not really one sex or the other. It's a believer in Christ. It's used several times in tonight's skill. So when you hear brother or sister, think of the word believer, somebody who believes in, in Christ. <clears throat> and in, uh, I'm going to read the New International Version first of of our deal. And I'm going to start I'm going to back up and start in verse 3 even though that's not part of my deal. And it says, "We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands, being Christ, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them." This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. There's no might, there's no maybe, there's no if you can do your best. We must live as he did. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new commandment, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old commandment is a message you've heard, and yet I'm writing you a new commandment. Its truth is seen in him and in you. <clears throat> because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother and sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness and they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. It's, um, there's another version that talks about, instead of using the word hate, it says speaks ill of another brother or sister. And uh, in the commandment of the old is Christ told us to love one another. The Old Testament said to love your neighbor as yourself. But Christ tells us the new commandment is to love one another as I have loved you. Not as you would love someone, but as he has loved others. And that's the beginning of which John's speaking of. It's the old one of when Christ began and the new one because the love of Christ is renewed each day as we live and we, we do his, his bidding. <clears throat> um, for love belongs in the realm of light and not in the realm of darkness. And you know, when, you, when you're in the love, there is no hate. You don't get the things that would have normally upset you. Don't. Um, and it draws a sharp contrast between the Christian community and Satan's world of darkness. Because he's the ruler of this earth for a while. Uh, but God's won the victory and we know that. Now having said that, back to my testimony. 
So this week when I got hit with the pie in the face, I was uh, thinking how I had overcome some of the things of Satan and gotten past some of the temptations, and I was feeling good. When I got hit with the the two-inch pipe, I realized that that good was pride and arrogance, much like the Pharisees had, and uh, turned to be pretty ugly and pretty dark, and I had I had blinded myself because I had uh, unconfessed sins that I had not. I thought I I thought I had covered it with even those that I don't remember. Forgive me of those. Um, truth is, is, I knew them. I hadn't forgot them. I just didn't confess them. And even when I when I did confess them, I still had to repent of them to restore the right relationship with Christ and with the Holy Spirit with God, so I could be right standing with Him again. And it uh, it was a, and it was a, a, a what brought this about was in the cigar selling business that I'm in. Um, I work for a gentleman who's a Christian. Says he's saved, says he's baptized. I accept that. Not was not happy with him. I got a phone call and was told that everything was good, everything was fine, and we're going to have a new program that you can participate in to increase your sales. Like great, that was last week. Monday the second part of the story came out and it's like yeah you'll be able to do all that it'll be great and you're going to have to you're going to have to volunteer to take a 30% pay cut in your commissions that was when i wasn't very christian in fact the uh, the new the new sales manager at the company had called me monday morning driving to work and i I could have been confused for what Scott had taught us two weeks ago, is there is nothing good in me. There's there's no redemption. I was angry. I was upset. And I told Bob, my friend of 20 years that works for the company, has been a salesman there. And I said, and I said, you know, I said, if it was not for, for Christ, I would go do X, Y, Z, and I'd be on the next plane going to Florida. And Bob was just laughing. I mean, he was just cracking up. He said, I can't believe this. He says, I've known you all these years. And I said, you offer me an opportunity, and then you're going to cut a third of my income out. That means I have to increase my sales by 30% just to get to break even. This is insane. And I had a very human, very worldly reaction to it. And it was ugly. And that's when the pie hit me in the face of, see, you're not that lights the world. You have darkness in you. So I apologize to Bob, ask his forgiveness. Um, the owner of the company hasn't talked to me. <laughs> He's been busy. 
but I, I ask God to forgive me for that. And so I get, I'm up and I'm going. Still studying for tonight's lesson. And it all comes back around again. And I'm like, but Lord, I, I prayed about this yesterday. I gave it. I gave it away. And that's when, that when the two-inch pipe hit. says, yeah, but you didn't bow. I'm going to put you on your knees so that you will understand and you will obey what I've taught you to do. And that's when I hit the floor. And it, and it just, I was like, you know, how arrogant I had become like the Pharisees that stood out and showed how righteous they were and religious they were. And like Christ said, but they don't know they're blind. They're not. The, um, you know, dark, darkness is often used in the scriptures as a symbol of sin. Blindness, blindness, a totally different matter. It, uh, before I go into that, it, Romans thirteen twelve it says, The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of life, the armor of God. I'd been forgetting to do that. I just had been forgetting to get up in the morning and put on the armor of God that Paul taught us about to protect myself from the darkness and the evil one. And it says, uh, in Ephesians 5, 8, it says, for ye, sometimes, for ye were sometimes darkness, now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Darkness is a symbol of the effects of sin. Darkness symbolizes the ignorance of truth. I was always raised the difference between ignorance and stupidity is ignorance you choose not to learn. Like Forrest Gump said, stupid is as stupid does. Um, but God provides for us in the darkness. There's a lot of scriptures for that. And he will deliver us from the darkness, and there's a lot of scriptures from that. And God saves believers from the darkness, because in John 12:46 it says, I come, a light into the world, and whosoever believeth in me shall not abide in darkness. We are called not to live in darkness. And, you know, blindness is, is spiritual darkness. And I was, I, was, I was willingly blind this week. And God had to get to my attention. And he did it in one of the most effective ways I know how and have, have ever experienced with him. But the inability or unwillingness to perceive the truth of the gospel is the consequence of spiritual the consequence of that is spiritual blindness. If we are unwilling, the results of the unwillingness is spiritual blindness. We can't see the Holy Spirit. We're out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We can't talk with the Holy Spirit. Not that He has left us. He's still in us. That light can still be seen. 10 miles away by somebody. 
We just don't know who that, that somebody is that we are called to be. And 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan, who is the god of this evil world, has made him blind, unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that is shining upon him and to understand the amazing message we preach about the glory of Christ who is in God. The phrase who is in God means literally who is the image of God. That's us. God said in Genesis, we're made in his image. Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, we're still in his image. The DNA hasn't changed. It's still there. The um, So I had to repent of some things the last 48 hours. And it uh, it wasn't pretty, and it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't even easy. And sometimes confronting yourself is one of the hardest things ever, a person ever does. But it was my attitude. It wasn't Christ. And I had to own it. And so one of the revelations that came from last week's and this week's, last week's and the week before deal, is that Scott was right. Doesn't mean that we're not called of Christ. Doesn't mean we don't walk with Christ. Doesn't mean that we're not saved by Christ. Doesn't mean that we're not blessed by Christ. But for a, one of the things that was revealed to me is that even though I was saved as a teenager, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I looked at myself as, I sin. There are times I sin. There are times I'm a good person. But it was still me. It was still me. It's okay. <laughs> Strategic break. <laughs> and... Um, It's okay. I'm not offended in the least. Humbly active. You're being tested. <laughs> it's uh, so having having said that, two things occurred last night, late at night, early this morning in prayer, is that I found that it's not that I just sin. I'm a sinner to the core. I mean, absolutely to the smallest minute cell in the body, I'm a sinner to the core. Christ's spirit in me can have dominion over all of that if I'm walking with him. As our deal, our scripture says, that uh, we should walk the way that Christ walked. And um, and I'm hoping to do that afresh because um, it looks like a whole lot better path than the one that, that 
I thought I was walking down a lighted path. And it uh, and, and had fooled myself into thinking that I was in I was I was out of the darkness and there was no darkness left in me and I was in the light. And I'd been out of the church for 27 years. I was back. I, I was no longer forsaking the assembly of the brethren. And things were spiritually and emotionally doing a lot better. Um, but the revelation this week was, you're still. You will always be. The only redemption is Jesus. The only redemption is the light that's in us that can be seen from near and afar. And it's... Uh, so, that's my teaching for tonight. It's Like I said, it's not the lesson I... In, intended to bring, had thought about bringing, had actually got done with, but it's the message of the Holy Spirit. So this is the one you will. And um, any questions, comments? Floor is open. You know how we pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil? I always, all these many years, thought in terms of evil from the outside, you know, protect me from evil mm-hmm. threats, evil people. But in recent years, I've been very deeply impressed that it's the evil within that's a greater threat than the evil without. And that even though I'm sure that that scripture is referring to evil from without, for me personally, it has come to mean evil from within. And I, I sincerely pray, asking the Lord to deliver us from evil, evil that's within. It's not just a one time that it emerges. I find it emerging regularly. <laughs> it has to be dealt with and up. It's become very meaningful to me. Yeah, the outside battles are not the hard ones. <laughs> the inside <laughs> And it's the harder one to fight. Because it's our it's it is our we live in this world, we're of this world and this world is, is is sick and deprived and and under the absolute dominion of Satan. It is his kingdom. Until the battle in Revelation when he is finally kicked out of heaven and can no longer accuse the brethren in front of Christ that he does on a daily basis. And then he has full wrath over the earth for a period of time during the tribulation. But... um, You know, the arrogance that I had of saying, these things are behind me, I've got those handled, I've, you know, they're done, they're, they're history, it's water under the bridge. I was wrong, just absolutely wrong. And it it took a powerful thing to drop me to my knees and to say, I am so sorry. I I am that which Christ spoke and illustrated against when he walked here 2,000 years ago. And I didn't even know how I got there. Mm-hmm. But were you able to get those things behind you? I don't know. All I know is this: is I have repented from from doing them. Uh, I have confessed them to our Lord, and I've asked for His help so that they do not continue to have dominion over me, 
even if they show up, they don't they do not have dominion over me. It's like a passing thought that you take no action on. Is a is a simple illustration. But you know, the temptations were you know in the middle of all this. For sure. That when you're presented with the repeat mm-hmm. and you overcome in a major way the first time after you've done what you've just done. I haven't been around you long enough to know what you to recognize you, I mean just know what you're supposed to look like. But those close to you will see a different person standing there. Guarantee you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. I'm a Praise God. I'm going to remember you right now. <laughs> Thank you. And I'll know today. Okay. And hopefully it's soon. Me too. We're all here to support you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, anyone else? Comments, questions? Phone? Okay. Before we go to the phones, I, I would just like to point out something that okay. some of us probably know by heart that applies to Tom's case. Uh, first of all, thank you, Tom, for being transparent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when we're transparent, uh, we actually become a mirror <laughs> for other people to look. And those that would use this information to harm you in some way don't get it. You know. And uh, we're brothers, and we're here to encourage each other, and you've encouraged us by sharing this battle that you face. Uh, the verse that a lot of us may know by heart, and if you don't know by heart, eventually you will, because you're just going to hear it a lot. First John 1 and 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All right. Verse 9 is a promise. This is the one that I'm wanting to draw from. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're not just forgiven, but there's a promise of having the unrighteousness cleansed from us. And when somebody asks me, you know, I I just keep committing the same sin and I can't break it, I, I offer words of hope. And the words are, from my own walk, I've learned when that's happening in my life, I'm not repenting deep enough. It's not that I'm not beating myself up enough. I believe in true contrition and getting real honest with how vile we can be. We can be. But underneath all that negative activity and wanting to harm someone in some physical way or spiritual way or whatever is are just a handful of reasons why. All right. Um, if I was in your shoes and I got shook up and I repented and I still couldn't shake it, I would know that I haven't gone deep enough. And so when I really make time for the Lord to seek the Lord, he might show me, son, why aren't you trusting me? Ooh. And when I repent for not trusting him with my income, the cleansing comes and all unrighteousness is gone. Now, in Christ, we're given righteousness, right standing with him, but he wants us to walk that out. And does that make any sense? It does. Yeah, so... One of the things I told Bob was, you know, he's not my source. That's it. There it is. There it is. There it is. The business owner is not my source. So the cleansing came when the realization, who am I looking to for my source? 
Now, you got set up by being told, hey, better days are coming. And then the next day, jerking the rug out from under you, you got blindsided. And that's why we pray deliver us from evil, because because evil comes and wants to pull on the evil that's in us. So we got it coming at us out. It was evil to do that to you. It was a sales gimmick, I'm sure. And somehow trying to motivate you and it could backfire. But um, I hope that helps. Does that make I haven't any given sense? them my answer yet. Have, have any, any of you guys seen that where you repent and it just keeps happening and then you get a little more serious with the Lord and he just shows you sometimes the simplest thing, it might just be fear. Why? What am I afraid of? Or, or uh, you know, God is my source. In my life, it's been the fear of failure that has caused explosions of anger and all kinds of other stuff. James. <laughs> I don't mean to harp on Apostle Paul, but he had been a party to murder. And then he saw the light and had that revelation, used that term revelation, and sent and God sent a servant to him, just as one of the guys in the church. And he and the Bible says he straightway preached Christ. Right. <laughs> so you talk tonight. You you face this terrible this dilemma in your life, but you're faithful to the word. That's what we do. I mean, and then you think Paul had it made, and later on he says, "Oh wretched man that I am." Right. You know, I thought he had. I thought he had all those kinks worked well, out. Well, and, <laughs> and he had, and he, and, and you know, you use Paul as the example, and Paul had a direct encounter with Christ Jesus. There's no doubt about it. I mean, face to face, but still writes in Romans, you know, that I hey, am. What the heck is going on? I am a messed up man. I, I'm doing what I know that I'm not supposed to be doing, but I'm right. still doing it. The thing is, is that you kind of hit the nail on the head, Tom, and that is that, you know, you've already, you you, you, you sat up here and you told us the testimony of your sales manager recognizing that the Tom that he's talking to today <laughs> is not the Tom that he used to talk to. Yeah. That's that's a mighty testimony, and you're getting to the point where, you know, if you had to be laid low, that's the mightier testimony. But it's not now. It's somewhere where you can actually look over your shoulder, look back at it, and say, that was the point. When I was at that point, that's where God led me out of that. Yeah. This is the testimony. Yeah. That's awesome. Amen? Exactly. We're leaving it to Paul writes, we are being transformed in the very image of Christ Jesus, moving from glory to glory. Yeah. And so that's what you're doing. Yeah. And as Charlie said, people will look at you and see it. Yeah. yeah. But you've already, you've already gotten a nudge. You had a plan, and then something, I don't know what, nudged you to get your testimony. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> If you call a two-inch cheater pipe and nudge, you know. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I I I, I have been stubborn and stiff-necked in my youth, yeah. <laughs> and I know it. Give it up. But be encouraged. You know, we're we're all walking our our own walk of sanctification. Praise uh, God. Yeah. You know, he's 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 dealing with us. He is. Our crucifixions have that's been right. arranged. That's right. Absolutely. But he's so faithful to, to well, it's that scripture that I texted you. Mm-hmm. He's he's faithful to complete the good work that he's begun in you. 
Cleansing you, cleansing you from all unrighteousness. Exactly. And then Paul went on to say, but by the grace of God, he said, I persecuted the church more than anybody. Those people know what I did. Yeah. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> kind of like that sermon you preached the other day. It is what it is, but it's not what it was. It's not what it isn't. Yeah, I am what I am. It's not what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. Going to be. Yeah. For when he right. shall appear, we shall be like him. Yeah. We shall see him as he is. And everyone, everyone who has them, this hope purifies himself as he is pure. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Anybody else before we go to the 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 um, mighty men of wisdom on the phone? Yes. I will third the saying. I think you said it first and second, but about Paul. Um, if any human had the right to say point the finger, it was Paul. And you see in a lot of churches today that people walk in, I'm all that, look at me, I'm on the worship team, I'm preaching the message, I'm greeting at the door, look at how I'm dressed, I've got these 2,000 books, I've written these great songs. And Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. And Paul's whole attitude was, and I think even Paul went so far as to say, Oh, God, let me be accursed so that this person can go to heaven. In other words, send me to hell. I mean, how many of us would actually say that? No way. <laughs> um, but you talk about... I did once, and I regret it ever since. When, they, when God called my baby brother home, I was really angry. I didn't recover. So a path was letting me back, and then a messenger was sent. <laughs> 20 years later, and it was like a lightning bolt. And I knew that I had to go through all of that. It's a wonder he didn't just say, okay, you too. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome oh, yeah, back. I, oh, yeah, I was, you know, I was doing this. And I was really angry. Well, and understand, too, that, you know, you're, you may be doing this physically, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit saw that long time before you inside where people get so embarrassed and ashamed to sit there and whether it's in their quiet time or in their car and they're shaking their fist hey you're being real you know you're not you're not surprising Jesus is not shocked (laughs) God is not shocked the rest of the story and that I had been implanted by our dear mother so at his death, we were all there. Her baby. I was 22. He was six. He said, anger not and fear not. Now, in her understanding, now we have an angel in heaven watching. This is the mother of the child. And I said, I didn't want Thank you for acknowledging him up. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. 
Well, let's see. Yeah, uh, let's see. Hello. We're officially Hello. unmuted. All right, you have been unmuted. <laughs> Very good. Any input for us? That's, I mean, that's something really hard to follow up. I mean, it was, it's got a lot of depth. There's a lot to it, you know. I mean, everybody keeps going back to Paul, and I guess Paul's Paul's is a, as close of an example as we have because, you know, you know, Paul had a had his revolution. Excuse me, Paul had his revelation later on in life, and uh, uh, just kind of had to feel his way through it, even though he knew the word. He didn't know the writer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he got to experience heaven. God said, you need a thorn in your side because otherwise you're going to get all puffed up. You know, and sometimes in our industry, in our jobs, we get quite puffed up. And sometimes God has to send a thorn in our side, too. Mm. Fortunately, he takes them away. In yeah. Paul's case, he did not. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's very... Very, very, very revealing. Good. Thank you for this word tonight. Thank yeah, you. His, his revelation brought a revolution. So you weren't you you were right on there. Anyone else? Well, I thought it was a a mighty uh, word from Tom, and Tom, I thank you for it. Uh, you know, it it's always a revelation. We remember that the Scripture tells us that we can do no good thing outside what Christ does through us. And so, you know, we have to remember that even when we start to believe that, you know, I did this thing or I, I we start getting impressed with ourselves that uh, unless Christ has done it through us, that that it is really is worthless. You know, wow. and, you know Jesus said that, you know, that uh, we being evil fathers give our kids good gifts, how much better the gift the father gives us. And he reminds us that even when we think we're doing something good for our kids or, you know, in our minds, hey, we're doing something good, that we are evil fathers doing that. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Thank you, Steve. All the way from Cambridge, England. Hal, are you in Toler? Yes, sir. Well, we're covering the world from Cambridge to Toler. That's awesome. <laughs> Did anyone else call in? Well, bless you, brothers. We'll talk to you all later. All right. Thank you. Bye.